Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. With the number two. We are here to help you get your business to the level you want it to be so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. Mr. Mike Manning, good afternoon. It's been way too long. It's been a, a couple of weeks, I think, it since has. we've been back in the studio. We're in the studio, Purple Comma Studio. Mm -hmm. Feels like home. It does. This is our favorite place to be on Thursday afternoon. So. You know, I always know that it's a rough week when I don't get to see Drago's face. Yes, yes. I thought that's where you were headed, Drago's face. <laughs> yeah, so. so we thought what a great way to welcome back ourselves to the studio is because one guest is good, but two guests, gooder. Even yeah, better. Even better. So. Yes. And today we have two very, 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 very special guests. Miss Liz, I'm going to slaughter this. Losey. Losey. I could have, I could have handled that. And Earl Hayden. Hadden. Welcome, Earl and Liz. Hayden. Hayden. Oh, yeah. see, no, yep. the one I thought I had in the bag. Yeah. Uh, our first father-daughter business, I believe. I think we had one other father-daughter business. Did we? Yeah, okay. but they didn't both come. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So we thought, yeah, may as well get the architect yeah. here and the the heir to the throne here as well. So we got Liz. Yeah. But uh, today's going to be a fun show because mm -hmm. um, Liz and Earl are going to um, talk with us a bit about what they do, and it has to do with money, my favorite topic. Well, in topic one A for you is systems. Yeah. See, I knew you'd like. I knew you'd like these two. Yes. So, Liz. Yes. What is the hardest part about being in business with your dad? Um, probably bossing him around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I got to keep him on track because, you know, he's he's kind of run the show for a long time, but now he's in the mind space of like cruising and sometimes it's 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 just like okay, these are the, these are your to do list items today, and as long as he he knows exactly what to do, then we're all off to the races. That's awesome. Now, Earl, according to your bio, your golf game wasn't complying with uh, your. Uh, I think that you want to get on the senior tour. If I can read into that line, that it just wouldn't work, and so you thought, you know what, let me go back to work. I, I kept buying new clubs and, uh, and, and more expensive golf balls, and uh, it didn't get any better. How do you two, and Trinity and I have to answer this question sometimes as partners, how did you two, when you first started talking about bringing this together, figure out who's going to do what? Well, unfortunately, Liz and I are too much alike. And uh, so, so we'd get together, and both of us would be in the big picture role. And uh, uh, we needed to have somebody take the detail responsibility role. So it's finally evolved to where, you know, Liz takes that and does the, uh, you know, we'll, we'll still kick around the big picture, but then she makes the, you know, makes the details work so that, uh, for example, I, I show up on time for meetings and things like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that where the bossing him around comes in? That is very true. <laughs> that is accurate. Yep. <laughs> So your your company is Money Mountain Systems. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what that is and what you help people do. Well, Money Mountain Systems really came out of one of the keynotes we had at one of our early seminars. We had we used to put on a lot of like full day events with breakout sessions and speakers and things like that. And 
having both been in small businesses um, and actually large businesses over a million dollars for years and years and consulting with businesses all over the world about how to create the systems in their business, docu document them and create business process improvement for those businesses, we wanted to bring that to small businesses because we've been there and done that. And there can be people who can tell you what to do over and over and over again, but you're not going to do it. And so we equated it to Sherpa leadership versus sled dog leadership. And now the Sherpas have been up the mountain. They've been, they've done that and they don't necessarily get the glory for it, but they know the weather conditions and what equipment you should bring and when you might need to throttle back a little bit and when you need to go full speed ahead. And they're going to walk with you the whole way. And as opposed to sled dog leadership, which is just going to whip the hounds and whip the dogs until they go and they go and they go without much concern for the weather conditions necessarily. So we, that's why with the Money Mountain analogy, we use the Sherpa leadership because we've been there and done that, been up the mountain, and we want to help other people get up there too. So do you go in and analyze what they're doing currently with their financial picture or how exact, what exactly do you? Well, it's actually like all, there's seven operational areas that we focus on mm -hmm. in the business for everything from planning to team building to just the administration of everything. And so we like to look at everything and figure out where their bottlenecks might be because it can be very overwhelming to try and establish all the systems in your business because if you've got seven areas and even at the top level you've got five to seven systems for all of those you know before you get too far you're looking at 125 systems in your business and it can be overwhelming but generally there's a couple that kind of bottleneck your productivity mm -hmm. so we like to look at where they are and what's holding them back so that they can automate some of that stuff they can create something that is dependable and going to give them the results they want on a very ongoing basis. Earl, when you meet with these business owners, do they know they don't have a system in place? Uh, that's really what causes most people to approach us is that after they've heard uh, uh, us do our elevator pitch at networking meetings or things like that, uh, uh, eight or 10 or sometimes 20 times, they finally figure out that, uh, Maybe they, they need to get together with us and, 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 you know, find out what they're missing. What are some of the common traits of the clients you've been working with that needed systems but didn't have them? Well, I, I think the biggest challenge is that uh, the, uh, the, the business uh, has grown and uh, they've, they've kind of been, been lucky. They've had one or two skills that really got them successful. Um, but all of a sudden, some of the other factors in the business are, are, are starting to bite them. And, uh, uh, you know, so that, and, and they haven't even really thought about it. They're doing, the, they're doing some things well, and the rest of them they're just ignoring. So you work with quite a few businesses. What would you say is an example of one that has pivoted the best throughout this epidemic? Well, you know, the one that I'm spending my, most of my time with right now uh, just started a, uh, a major growth initiative in January of, of uh, 2020. And uh, 
made a, a major commitment to, to a bank and, and so forth. And uh, when, when the pandemic started, they uh, you know, had to, uh, to, to basically change their business model and the way they uh, worked with clients. They didn't, you know, they used to meet with clients on a regular basis. Now they uh, are communicating with them different ways. And uh, they've also had to, to repackage their product offerings so that uh, uh, they can keep their people busy because a lot of their staff um, were exposed to the virus. And as a result, uh, you know, they, they had to, to continue with, with fewer workers. And the interesting thing was that uh, over the course of the year, their, their revenue actually went up about 15% and their profits doubled. Um, but it was, it was mainly because they, you know, focused on higher value product sales and uh, different ways of communicating. So Liz, Trinity, and uh, Trinity's got two empires. Well, one's an empire, one's growing. Uh, but she is one of the, and Earl Trinity's one of the top 1% realtors in the market here. Uh, so she's built a team, built a nice, uh, a real estate business. Uh, you've got five or six people ish on your team for that. Yeah, I have okay. two client service managers, a marketing manager, um, and then my listing prep team. That's okay. about four people. And then there's two of us. What differences do you see with the not quite the mom and pop businesses, but the solo plus one or two preneurs? versus those 20 to 30 or 40 employee size companies with regard to understanding systems? Well, when it comes to the solopreneurs and the people who are kind of working by themselves with a partner, they feel like they can coast for a certain amount of times because the systems are all in their head and they know what they're doing and they know what has to get done and they know how to do it. But when it comes to bringing on other people who you need to help have help out, when you've reached your max capacity as a human being, just like the amount of hours you can work in a day and the amount of things that you can get done um, without giving up too much sleep or other things, um, you need to really get those systems out on paper. You need to be able to document them in such a way that somebody else can understand them and they can pick up the slack so that they can actually do something the way you want it done and the way you envision it being done or the way you've always done it so that there's a seamless transition on the customer side when it goes from having you do all the things to having a team member pick up some of the slack to do that too. That's a great visual of them having all their systems in their head because the minute you <laughs> said that, I'm like, damn it. But I am getting better, but I, I am a statistic. So I get that. How do you get that out of their head onto paper or show them that if you do that, then it will trigger this, this, and this? Well, a lot of times we look at the triggering event. What is it that triggers this system to be put in place to do this thing? Um, is it someone reaching out to you, requesting a proposal, however it is that works in your business? Because they're very customized systems of, of the way things are done based on what business that person is in. And, but there's, they're still going to follow a certain number of benchmarks. You know, you're going to need things that you're going to measure along the way 
so that you can determine whether or not you're on the right track, whether you're getting the results you want to get. And if you can't have some kind of metrics that you measure, you're not going to be able to figure out what the things are that you need to improve. Oh, and we preach that mm -hmm. all the time. Trinity's just on people all day long about tracking and measuring. Otherwise, how do you know if it works? Yeah, and we like to call it a scorecard because it seems like it's a little more fun when it's a little mm -hmm. sports related. Yeah. And, and your competition really is yourself. So if you keep track, if you're keeping score. That's actually a, a wonderful line as well because we all get questions about, well, who are your, who's your competition? Do you track your competitors? And to a point, you should be aware. But at the end of the day, it's just, did you do more today than you did yesterday? Right. Yeah, definitely. Earl, uh, you've been doing this for a couple of years. We'll just leave it at that, okay? Do you remember your first client, and what's changed since then with regard to systems and businesses? Well, my, my first client was... Uh, a company in Sydney, Australia, and uh, they were they, they were selling software products, and uh, their their sales were all doing it their own way. <laughs> as a result, they they weren't uh, performing. I imagine, you know, Trinity can probably rec you know realize this with uh, you know thinking about uh, the number of realtors, and each one of them says, "Well, I'm going to do it my own way." Yep. And Trinity's probably got a system that if you did it her way, they'd be successful. But, uh, but a, lot of, uh, a lot of smart people think that uh, they don't want to do that, that they, uh, they, you know, they, they want to do it their own way. Uh, one of the things we're seeing over time is that uh, the larger organizations have adopted more systems. Uh, but the uh, uh, solopreneurs and up to, oh, maybe 50 million in sales uh, still uh, really resist systems because if you uh, remember the book Swim with the Sharks, uh, one of the messages in Swim with the Sharks was uh, if you have an operations guide, you should throw it away because uh, it, the, uh, the, 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 the weak performers hide behind it and it gets in the way of the strong performers doing what they should do. And uh, so that's that, that's one of the real, I guess, big differences in the last uh, 30 to 40 years is getting people more attuned to following systems and, and, and being more consistent in their performance. Do you find that that, that word systems turns people off? Because I've had people say that to me before. It's like, can you pick another word? I'm like, well, I don't think it'll explain it right. But I, they just, just kind of makes you like, oh. It does make it does get a little cringy sometimes when you're using the word systems because or automation or processes or anything that makes people feel like they're going to lose their personality or their creativity. Because a lot of times when people are going into business for themselves, they do it because they don't want to be in the rat race anymore. They don't want to be part, you know, a little cog in the big wheel of a machine. They want to do things their way and they found a better way to do it. And that's totally valid. That's totally legit. You know, you should really want to be have your personality stamp on your business. You're not going to want to turn into a robot and do that business in a way that is going to be free of and devoid of personality or creativity. But when you put a system in place, it is 
there so that you can free up that space in your head so that you can bring the creativity and that personality into the places in your business where it really belongs. Because how much creativity are you going to do setting up like the steps in an email campaign? Right. (laughs) Yeah. You can still remain authentic and have that creativity, but you have, like you said, more time and energy and resources when you systematize or procedurize the things that are repetitive. And it cuts down on the number of errors that happen. It increases customer service. So I'm a huge fan of documenting and following, but also being nimble and flexible enough to know that not everything's set in stone because we've worked with some um, small business owners that, um, you know, take a lot of pride in the way that they've done things for a certain number of years and they tend to get a little stuck in their in their rut and you have to be a little gentle with them in terms of, hey, it's okay, you know, just because somebody comes on your team and has a new idea and it's innovative doesn't mean that your idea was bad. It's just being, you know, man or woman enough to to know that you're not always exactly going to be right all the time. Hey, Earl, if you had $100 for every every person that ever told you because we've always done it this way, could you have retired twice by now? <laughs> That, that's one of the, the biggest reasons that people people fail is that they can't uh, imagine doing anything different. But, you know, if, if you go back to those, you know, Liz mentioned earlier, 150 or so uh, systems that a, a business has to run, four or five of them, people already do really well. And if, if you have a client that's doing something really well, don't change it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I was working with a client yesterday and I was trying to get them to, to buy into uh, selling their differences. You know, how are they different from the competition? It's not, you know, we do the same thing as the competition. And you, when you look at their website and their marketing material, you could, you could change their name with any of their competitors and you, and you wouldn't know the difference. And I said, you know, what are the three things that are, that are really different about your company? And when we came up with those, we said, that's what you need to stress. Because I mean, I, I had one uh, uh, financial advisor that uh, you know he, he, he you know we we were reading the book uh, Seth Godin's book uh, We Are All Weird and uh, as I said you you have to embrace your inner weirdness. Amen. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and he he wrote it uh, his next newsletter to his customers and prospects was you know I'm weird. And he talked about how he was different, how he did things differently. And then he had a paragraph about three paragraphs down. It says, now I still have to comply with all of the regulations and so forth. And I still do the analysis. But this is how I'm different. And his business doubled. Customer service. Mm-hmm. Customer contact. Trinity, and again, she preaches this all the time because she's very good at uh, well, she's in an industry that you're going to buy a house from her today. You're not going to need her for about seven years, five to seven years on average. So uh, her world has to be in touch with people. So what are some of the issues you find from folks you deal with that they're just not doing a good job of putting systems in place to talk with their clients and or referral partners? Well, we had one client who was 
legitimately afraid to reach out to their clients because the things that they had to tell them was, we need to change the schedules of when we're going to be servicing you. We need to raise our rates. And we're like, you know, if you had a plan in place to contact these people before it all came down to, we're only going to talk to you about bad news, then they would be more willing to talk to you. They would be more excited about hearing from you. And then we had another client that says, oh yeah, we contact our people 12 times a year when we send out a bill. (laughs) 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 That's not a quality client connection. No, it's not. So, you know, it's like, that's not going to be a reason why somebody is going to want to say, if there's a problem, come back to you and, and be looking for a solution. They're not open to that kind of thing because they're not expecting you to be open to that communication. What kind of things do, would you want? You don't have to mention a, the client name, but what are some of the things that a couple of your clients do very well in talking to their customers and referral partners? Well, when we set up systems for them to communicate on an ongoing basis with their clients, it's creating those content pieces, whether they're in newsletters or social media or just one-on-one reach outs, or, you know, even in the old days of clipping an article out of a magazine that says, hey, this made me think of you or congratulations on your promotion kind of a thing, or it's a one-on-one communication. But keeping those things top of mind as opportunities to reach out to people and then finding that content online where, you know, because nowadays everything's online, everything mm-hmm. is social media, and you can send out, like, tag somebody in a LinkedIn post saying, hey, this is something that I think, you know, that made me think of you, or this is something that's really going to help boost your business, or there's some applications here for all of our clients um, that can really that we would share maybe on our Facebook page or on our LinkedIn page saying, this is something that can apply to, um, you know, small businesses too. Cause I had a friend who is like vice president of logistics and supply chain for a big company out in California. And he created, you know, he created a um, no single point of failure in the supply chain. So as a result, they didn't have, any of those delays in their pro in their and it was like memory chips that they were getting imported. So they looked for closer factories and they looked for no single point of failure. And that you know he established all these things so that during the pandemic, when a lot of people were having issues with supply chain and getting things, you know what is the lesson that our clients as small businesses can take from that? So if we post that information and we put our spin on it, then that offers our clients and then their clients the opportunity to learn something. And it's not just a, when we're reaching out because there's a problem or because we have bad news or because we want you to pay your bills. (laughs) And we've talked about this before with small business owners and clients, by the way, real quick shout out to one of our loyal listeners, Marie Brewer. Hello, princess. Uh, are you an experience Earl or are you a transaction? I think we're definitely a, a, an experience. Uh, when I started, uh, this practice, uh, about a dozen years ago, when we moved from California back to North Carolina, I put together a model that, uh, uh, was kind of a 90 day assessment and 
find the first opportunity to improve. And I figured my clients would all be, uh, you know, 30, 30 or 90 days and, and gone. And uh, I've got two clients right now that have both been with me for over five years. So, uh, and I keep saying, you know, why, you know, why are we still doing this? And they said, well, our business keeps going up. And I, I think a lot of people forget that it's the relationship mm-hmm. and it's the experience. How good do you feel? And, you know, Trinity shared stories all the time on the show about working with a client and made them feel so good because you did the little things, which sometimes is more research than the other realtors yes. do to learn. Oh, crap. They're going to build a street behind this cul-de-sac and, you know, but little things like that. But it's just knowing but the, going back to the system, because she's got all her clients' information in there. So she knows when John Smith's birthday is, but she doesn't have to remember it because right. she's got a system. But it's those touch points like that that back to your point of, well, we talked to him 12 times a year. <laughs> it's just wrong. Yeah, we have one client who has a, um, has a system where they will get, he will get a reminder that says it's three days before your client's anniversary. So he can call the husband in the relationship to say your anniversary is in three days. And the husband is always, Oh, thank goodness. You reminded me because now I'm going to go get flowers. Yep. That's how mine's set up four days before any milestone. So I can either send a card or call or do whatever. And I, as I learned to do more systems, it's a beautiful thing because you don't have to remember stuff. You just mm-hmm. got to know where it is. Exactly. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, there's too much stuff going on up here to try to well, remember it all. You're always wanting to add four more empires to your current empires. That's why there's so much <laughs> stuff up in your head because there's always something going on. <laughs> it's just a busy little hive up there. Yes, it is. Right, in a, but in a good when way. you get all of that stuff out of your head and into a system, then it frees up mm-hmm. that you know, the brain so that you can do more things and you can be more creative and inject your personality into it. And there's a very real concept of decision fatigue, because if you're making the same decisions all the time, it's, you're still making the decision and it's still one less decision that your brain is able to make on something important later Mm -hmm. because you've only got so many decisions in there per day. And if it's the same one of, do I go to the gym or not? Instead of I'm going to the gym every morning. You know, that's a personal daily habit that you're going to create, but the systems make those habits something that is not just something you're going to do, but something that you can also delegate or put on someone on your team. Speaking of the gym, we're going to do a little side side step here. Ooh, an off-ramp. <laughs> I like it. I have my notes for Mike, and you were an NCAA water polo goalie? I was. Oh, yeah. So you just must have amazing stamina because that is a lot of treading treading water. water. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and water polo is hard. What people don't see is what goes on underneath the water. Oh, yeah. And that's where you can be just mean. And you can beat on people and hold and kick and scratch and everything. Well, we used to have, um, you could not have any of the white showing on your fingernails because that would be dangerous to scratching other people. So they would have nail checks at the beginning of the (laughs) games. And you'd have to put your hands up on the pool deck and they'd have to make sure there was no white showing on your nails so that you could not claw at each other under the water. Wow. Whoa, I did (laughs) not know that. That's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, but water polo, that's some tough. I'm just, I'm such a sucky swimmer that it yeah. just, I'm very in awe of somebody <laughs> that 
thinks that's fun to go well, thrash was, around in the water. And it was funny because I was not especially athletic growing up. And then one of my good friends was on the water polo team. And she said, since I'm very tall, I'm 6'3", so your height is also your wingspan oh, from yeah. fingertip to fingertip. Ah. And so she said, our goalie is going to go study abroad in Germany. We don't have a goalie. Would you like to come and try it out? And I was like, sure, why not? In college, I said yes to pretty much everything. And um, so I was like, sure, you got to teach me what to do because I have no idea how to play the game or whatever. And she was like, sure, I got you. And so I did, and I played goalie, and it was super fun. That's awesome. <laughs> no, it's an act. Yeah, but you're right. You got to tread water. You got to be strong. And then people are laying on you and they're coming by you. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. We had one game where we had two girls had broken noses in the middle of the game. So, <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, kudos to you. That's that's freaking awesome. Well, and along with that, she was in the choir. See, now that's just showing off. <laughs> <laughs> right, Earl? I mean, you got talent. You got some good genes you passed on. I did. Well, he was in the North Carolina UNC Glee Club, too. Yeah, water polo and choir. That's just showing off, man. I know you bragged on her all the time. Oh, absolutely. And uh, and, and Liz's sister, Amanda, is the same thing. Not, 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 never interested in uh, sports or athletics, uh, uh, grade school, high school, and uh, got to college and was recruited to be on the uh, rowing team. So, oh yeah, <laughs> I mean both 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 of our daughters turned out to be uh, you know collegiate athletes, and I just you know didn't get it from me. See, but that's a proud dad walking around talking to his buddies. What are your daughters doing in college? <laughs> I yeah. like that a lot. What did what did you learn from playing a team sport then to apply to the coaching world for businesses? Well, I learned about you have your specialty, you have your strength. Because um, on the water polo team, you have people who are swimming back and forth all the time. And then you have the sprinters that are going to get to the ball first. Um, you have the ones that are going to play defense really well. You have the ones that are going to set it up for the goals. And then you have the goalies who are going to just, you know, try and block everything with pretty much any part of their body that's exposed. And, um, you know, get hit in the face a lot. Sometimes you just have to <laughs> have to take it. Um you know, the whole taking one for the team kind of a thing. <laughs> but everyone has to play on their strengths and cultivate those strengths and don't try and be the entire team. Mm -hmm. Other side note, how deep is the water that you're playing in? You have to tread water the entire time. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, right. no there's, there's no shallow end. There's no, like, taking – there's no taking a, a breather. <laughs> <laughs> no. 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 Well, I mean, well, but the quarters are only seven minutes long. Yeah. So, honestly, you're not, like, treading water for an hour at a time. Okay. It's well, only that's... six – it's only seven minutes. Let me translate, okay? <laughs> the, while the ball is at the – while Liz's team is on offense and they're down at the other end, yeah, she's hanging on the goal because nothing's going on with her <laughs> while everybody else is swimming and treading water. <laughs> well, no, you can't hang on on the goal you can't hang on the outside when you're when you're not in in play so oh okay yeah. i'm impressed then. yeah oh, good so for you treading water seven <laughs> minutes at a time oh, so I, since you've joined your dad mm -hmm. what would you say has been the greatest success that you've experienced together i think it's when we come together and we can share both of our perspectives on how things have gone for really big businesses and for really small businesses and to be able to apply that perspective to people who are showing up 
right in front of us. And we put on um, a bunch of workshops and a bunch of challenges and developing those things during the course of this pandemic where we have to offer everything virtually, <laughs> especially when we're two very social people who are used to doing a lot of things face to face has been a big challenge. But I think it's also been a big success for us to be able to bring that to people. What do you foresee the next year looking like? Um, I think that it's going to be expanding, being able to move beyond this geographical area, which is one of the blessings of a lot of the virtual world that's being that's out there now and that a lot of people are becoming a lot more familiar with. And I know, for one, I've been able to network with people all over the world as a result yeah. of this. And so being able to take this knowledge to people all over the world and not having to get on an airplane every time. Because I know when my dad moved back to North Carolina <laughs> back here, he said, I'm never getting on a plane to travel to, uh, <laughs> to go to work again, you know, maybe to go visit my sister in California, but never ever to go do a business thing again. Yeah. I think that was one of the biggest things that we realized when the pandemic started was that we could do a whole lot more, networking and serve clients from all over the country and we had people on our podcast from all over the world so it's been a blessing in disguise in many ways but i know that we're both ready for everything to go back to normal because <laughs> like you and your um, father we also are very social creatures mm. and i just like being one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting with real live humans and giving actual hugs. <laughs> yeah. And she, oh, I am looking well, forward to that. Yes. Yeah. And she's got three dogs and one's a royal pain in the ass. That's why she oh, wants yeah. to get out of the house. But that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, Earl, a lot of our listeners are very, are, are solopreneurs or they may have two or three or four employees. What's something they could do the next couple of days to write on paper? what they have a system, don't have a system to understand where they might need some help? Well, there's a, a technique that uh, came out of the University of Arizona about 30 years ago called the SWOT analysis. It stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And the first thing to do is write down the most important activities that you do and try to keep that uh, seven to 10 activities. We, we've kind of narrowed in on seven, but other people go as high as uh, 10 or 12. And then document for each one of those, how well do you think you perform uh, that activity? And then how important is that activity to achieving your goals? And you can take that little piece of paper, one eight and a half by 11 piece of paper and look at it and it will tell you where you should be spending your time first. And a lot of people, the, the, the way SWOT analysis came up, it was developed by um, uh, two professors, Jane Nunnemaker and Ben Kaczynski. And uh, they were hired by AT&T to, to do an analysis. They found that people were working on things that they did well and already liked. And that they ignored things that they didn't do well and didn't like. And uh, but some of those things that they didn't well and didn't and didn't like were very important to their success. Mm -hmm. So it kind of forces you to look away from, you know, I'm going to go out and do public speaking every week because I love public speaking. And maybe it forces them to say, I'm going to sit down and write a blog once a week 
I hate writing, but I've really got to add another communication channel to my uh, uh, communication uh, quiver. So you know, that, that, that's something that you can do in uh, you know, a matter of an hour or two is you know, what are your key activities? How well do you perform them? And uh, which ones are the most important to achieving your goals? We're big fans of the SWOT analysis. I think we did an entire podcast on it. We did. And with smaller companies, we can go find money. We can't go find any more time. So things like that are crucial to being more efficient. And as we started telling people, not only can we help you be more efficient, but we can help you be more profitable. And that tends to make people stop for a second when you say that, because efficient is like blah, blah, blah. Oh, money profitable. So. But, uh, no, you guys, uh, wonderful work because it, it is about the systems, whether you're one person or 100 people business, right? Oh, so true. Uh, MoneyMountainSystems.com. Yep, we have MoneyMountainSystems.com. We have a page on Facebook, which um, does – we do a biz bite every Wednesday at 1230 mm-hmm. where we do just bite-sized professional development that is actionable that you can actually use in your – life so or and in your business so if you're going to take your lunch you know stick one on and i (laughs) i am happily a member of that crowd i was on we did we had mike on there and we did we had fun i did yes well because i got to talk you just shared some really (laughs) great knowledge about um creating a nice concise type message oh my god people just we stand up and we (laughs) want to we want to tell all 18 services we provide in 30 seconds. And I remember my first one was horrible because I did it that way. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. So just tell a story. When in doubt, tell a story. Exactly. Hey, let me tell you about a client we helped last week. Boom. You made your point. You painted the picture for all the visitors in the room, and you made your point. And you can see the body language changes when you tell a story about a happy client. Because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I always tell people, if you want to know if the person telling you something really believes it, just hit mute on them and just watch their body. Because if you're just like, well, I didn't, you know, this stuff. But when, you, when you're telling a story about a client you're happy with, the hands are going, the body's sitting up, you're smiling, you're looking around, you can tell. when. So just tell those stories instead of, well... We're ranked third in the state of North Carolina with this. We convert. <laughs> no, man, I got a problem. You guys solve my problem. I don't care about your company. Right, exactly. It's cruel to say it that way, but <laughs> that's how most people want to know it. So, well, uh, you do have to have some of the numbers because you got to measure the numbers. You do, yes. But you don't need to tell all your numbers because nobody wants nobody wants the scorecard when they're introduced to you. Well, and exactly. it's like you guys standing up. Hey, uh, I'm Liz with with Money Mountain Systems. We've been we've been doing this for 15 years. Well, it doesn't tell me anything. Nobody cares. <laughs> right. I could, I, yeah. Biggest pet peeve is when a real estate agent will be like, I've been in business for 20 years. I'm like, you could have sold two freaking houses. So I don't care how long you've been in business. Yeah. I care how much business you've done. Yeah. it's It matters because yeah. it, you got to connect. I went to work for IBM. They, one of the guys was walking around the office all puffed up and said, I got 25 years experience at IBM. And one of the junior people said, He's really got one year's experience 25 times. <laughs> Ooh. All right, well, Liz and Earl, we've uh, had a lot of fun talking today. Uh, Papa Bear Earl, you've done well. We're a big fan of your daughter. 
big fan. <laughs> we got to know each other a little bit through uh, Zoom, first of all. Oh, yeah. And through the Garner Chamber and everything. So uh, we, I knew Trinity would love meeting you, too, because she is so big on systems. She <laughs> loves you. Speak her language. Yes. I just, anything that can help our clients to be more efficient, more profitable, mm-hmm. and to stay the course because I think lack of systems is the thing that drives a lot of people out of business because like Liz said, they don't know how to scale. They get burnt out They're You know, they're trying to manage and do everything and that's not sustainable once you start experiencing growth. That is so true. And even when you look at all the things that you do on a daily basis, which of those things are things that you actually need to do? <laughs> You know, we consider, we look at people's productivity and like 80% of the things they're doing, they don't need to be doing. Right. <laughs> and, they're, and they're not revenue generating either. And they're not. And they're no, like, no. I'm just so busy. Busyness no. is not a metric. Now, no. Now, <laughs> you want to measure. As I get older, I'm now starting to tell people, I'm really getting to be that get off my lawn guy and I love it. <laughs> but I'm telling people, you're not busy. You're just not organized enough. So what you're telling me is you're too busy to potentially go meet a new client? That's crap. That's a load, and you're lying. You're not busy. You're just not organized enough. That is true. Or not managing your time. So uh, anyways, folks, go to MoneyMountainSystems.com. Check out Liz and Earl. I know they'll be able to help you. Systems, because then you can go see your kid do Little League this or extracurricular that. Opens up all kinds of things. So we've enjoyed having you both on the show today. Uh, Keep up the good work. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we'll see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.